Welcome to Windsor Christian Fellowship Church Podcast. Our church vision is to win generations to Christ, connect them to His master plan, empower them to succeed, and grow the kingdom of God. For other podcast resources or more information about Windsor Christian Fellowship, please visit us at www.wcf.ca. Okay, are we all ready? How many remember the headline this year of June 5th, 2019? It was on every television news station all across Canada. And everybody in Windsor, Ontario remembers what happened that day. How many can remember what happened last night? Okay, don't even go there. Okay. On June 5th, 2019, the headlines hit, the oldest woman in Canada passes away. Dolly Gibb. She was 114 years old. Come on, guys. Okay? She had all of her faculties. She had no dementia, no Alzheimer's. She had nothing. Uh, she was all there. She didn't die because she was sick. She died old age. Uh, just it was her time. And what's amazing, all the newscasters, they came to her for probably since she was 100, and they had many, many different articles upon them. One of them came one time and says, uh, uh, you, you lived through the two world wars, and, and you lived through the t- sinking of the Titanic. What was it like? She said, it sank. <laughs> that was her whole thing. It sank. It, was like, it wasn't really a big deal. It didn't ruffle her. <clears throat> and so all the newscasters and families, when they got them, they put this article together for her. And they said these four characteristics is what made her the person that she was. It said, number one, she was serene. Looked up the word serene. She was calm. She was peaceful. She was tranquil. She was unruffled. It didn't mean that situations didn't come her way uh, for her to get ruffled, but she didn't allow those situations to ruffle. That was the number one thing that the families, the news, and, and the people that knew her said. How many would like people to say that about you, Okay. Probably couldn't say that about me all the time, amen? But they said it about her. Number two was that she was content. And that means the power of containing her. She was able to hold the capacity of what she had. Now, she didn't think of herself higher than, than she ought. She actually had a contented life. And the Bible said godliness with contentment is great gain. And then we see number three was she was grateful, my life message. And, and so seeing these here things, finally the fourth one, she was positive, okay? How many would rather hang around positive people than negative people? Okay, it's just, how many would rather hang around peaceful people than strifeful people? I'll start this off in, uh, we're going to go to the, the text. Kathy and I have said this uh, many, many different times. The closest thing to this side, okay, of hell is when there's strife between us. There's nothing close than that. How many know that's, that's bad? Come on. Okay. And nobody wants to be around where there's strife. Okay. In the same respect, the closest thing to this side of heaven is when we're at peace and harmony and working together. How many can agree with that? And some of you say you got hell in your house as well. We're going to teach you today on how to overcome it and how to get that stuff out of your life. Because I want to ask you a few questions as I start today. And we're going to go to the book of 1 Peter chapter 3. And I believe it's verse number 12 is where the text is. And, and I want to ask these here questions. How many want to actually enjoy life? How many want to enjoy life? Okay, 10 people? I mean, come on. How many really want to enjoy life? And I'm not just talking about 
I don't, I'm not just talking about a moment or a fixed time. I'm speaking about enjoying life. Jesus said, I came to give you life and give it more abundant. That speaks of enjoying life. It doesn't mean there won't be hardships. It don't mean there won't be difficulties. It doesn't mean there won't be challenges. But you can still enjoy life in spite of what's happening around you. And the second thing he says is we want to ask, how many want to see many happy days? Okay, I can honestly say in our latter years, we've had many more happy days than we have had sad days. Okay, there's been a few of the others, but it's getting many, many more. And then how many want to see God's hand and blessing on your life? How many really like to see it? Not just to know God's hand and what he did for somebody else or what he did for you years ago, but what God's doing today. And how many want to see answer to prayer daily? Come on. When you pray, I, I believe we're in a season, and Kathy and I have talked about this, of hybrid prayer, like it's like we're praying now, and it's like we're seeing the answers, like just so, so expedited, it's like hybrid grass on the highways, it's amazing. And how many want to experience breakthrough today in relationships? Okay, maybe with your family, maybe in your marriage, maybe with your children, maybe with loved ones, maybe with a neighbor, maybe with a co-worker. Well, the principles that we're going to teach today will cover all those different areas. So I want everybody to stand as I read the Word of God to you today. 1 Peter 3.10, for the Scripture says, it's a quote from the book of, of Psalms. It says, if you want to, if, one of the 1,522 places in Scripture, it says, on condition that. If you want to enjoy life, come on, and see, come on, many happy days. And what does he say? Keep your tongue from speaking evil and your lips from telling lies. How many know if you want to enjoy life and happy days, you're going to have to watch your mouth? How many know your mouth is usually what gets things activated? Okay, go to the next verse over there, verse number 11, okay? It says, turn away, come on, from evil and do good. Context is speaking about happy days and enjoying life. Search for, come on, peace and Work to it. Apparently, the peace is already there, but you got to search for it. That means it's hidden somewhere, and it's in this inside of you. It's already deposited in you because the New Testament says, let God's peace rule in your heart. So he said, search for peace and then work to maintain it. In other words, once you got a hold of it, once you got a grip on it, maintain it, and that's going to take work, and that's going to take effort. Now look at the next verse. It says, for the eyes of the Lord watch over those who do right, and that speaks about searching and maintaining peace, and his ears are open to their hearts. First Chronicles 16 says, the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong on him whose heart is at peace before him. It's amazing that when God has peace, that the God can move into the situation. Three times in the Gospels it says, when you go into a house and there's peace to that house, he said, stay there. Don't move. Don't get out of there because where there's peace, there's power. Where there's peace, there's provision. Where there's peace, there's breakthrough. And it says, and his ears are open to their ears, but the Lord turns his face against those who do evil. Amen. You can be seated. I love the Christmas season. How many like Christmas? You know, I love, I love everything about it. And, um, you know, I know sometimes Christmas can be a difficult time for some people, but really the message of Christmas is, is our hope. And, and that's really what we have to understand. And I love this scripture in, in uh, Luke 2, verse 11. It says, the Savior. No, no, this is actually, I'm going to go back one verse. Sorry. I'm going to go back to verse 8. It says, that night there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them, and they were terrified. Can you imagine just like taking care of your sheep in the fields, and all of a sudden this magnificent angel shows up, and the radiance of the Lord's all around it, and they're like, what is going on, right? And then it says, but the angel reassured them, don't be afraid. He said, I bring you good news. Well, that's good to hear, right? Good news. 
that I will bring great joy to all people. Come on, girl. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. So here this angel is showing up to these shepherds, and he's announcing, he's making the birth announcement of Jesus Christ. That's what he's, what he's doing. And then he goes on, he says, The Savior, yes, the Messiah, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David, and you will recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth, lying in a manger. Suddenly... The angel was joined by a vast host of others. Now, I don't know what a vast host is, but I think that's a lot. Uh, the armies of heaven. So now, the, I mean, I don't know how many armies there are in heaven, but it says the armies of heaven. It doesn't say some of the armies of heaven. It actually says wow. the armies of heaven. So that's a lot of people or whatever they are. And, um, Boring angels. So... <laughs> Praising God and saying, so now these shepherds, they're, they're in this field. All of a sudden, this brilliant angel comes, you know, makes the announcement. And then a vast, the vast armies of heaven all show up. Can you imagine sitting there wondering, like, what is this, right? And they're saying, they're praising God and saying, and this is what they're saying. Glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to those whom, go, whom God is pleased. So that's what they had to say about Jesus. Peace on earth, right? When the angels had returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, let's go to Bethlehem. Of course you're going to go to Bethlehem after that. Let's see this thing that, the Lord, that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. And they hurried to the village and found Mary and Joseph there was the baby lying in the manger. And after seeing him, the shepherds, this is what the shepherds did after they saw him, they told everyone what had happened and what the angel had said to them about this child. And so they were making that declaration of the peace of God. Yep. You know, the Savior, the Messiah has come. There's peace on earth towards men. And we have to understand that that peace was meant for every one of us. And it is not dependent on the circumstances that we are in. It's this peace on the inside right. of us. Because this world has a lot of problems. You know, there's situations all the time. And we have to work to maintain that peace. And I want to read this next scripture in Colossians uh, 3.15. And Pastor Rick just alluded to it a few minutes ago. But it says, since God chose you. Everybody look at the person beside you and say, he chose you. To be the holy people he loves. You must clothe yourself. In other words, how many got dressed today? Hopefully all of you. Clothe yourself with tender-hearted mercy kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. See, when we clothe ourselves with these things, we keep our peace. And then it says, make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. you now, when you're married, you know, there's times your spouse irritates you, right? I mean, if anybody here has a spouse that has never irritated you, then... I mean, you really lucked Bring out. Bring him up but, um, take this message. But, uh, you know, there's times I irritate him, and there's times he irritates me. And when those irritations come, we have a choice. We have a choice. Now, I get that there's bigger issues that happen in marriages, and those things do need, you know, to be talked out and worked out. But there's a lot of little things that happen in a marriage that can rob us of our peace. Like socks left on the floor you know, or the toilet seat left open, or, you know, a mess left somewhere, whatever. You know, there's things that people do or say in relationships, and I'm not saying he does all those things. Some of them maybe, but, um, but anyway, 
There, there's things that we all do to irritate each other. And so what we do with that, like I remember one time, and this has happened to me a lot of times, where he'll do something that will upset me, and it's something silly a little, and, um, I, and I want to, I, I get angry. You know, I get angry. Especially if it's something I've asked him not to do over and over again. And, um, and so I get angry. And, and, and when I get angry, then I want to make him pay. I know there's not another woman in this room that is married that has ever, ever had that thought towards their spouse. They're flawless, so my they're way, flawless. my way of making him pay is given, I, I like to give him the silent treatment and make He's him know, he'll know there's something wrong. And then he tries to figure out what's wrong and he can't figure out what's wrong, which makes me more angry. And in that whole process, I've lost my peace, you know, and, and I'm creating strife which opens the door to hell. It's exactly what it does. And I remember the Holy Spirit taught me this a long time ago. Not that I always do it, but I try as much as I can. And um, I'm not arrived. I'm not perfect. You know, we, we do have some times. And, and, um, but many times, you know, the, if I listen, the Holy Spirit will say, are you willing to put this down at the cross? How does this compare with what I did at the cross? And when I begin to think about the cross and what Jesus did, it puts it in perspective. And God begins to adjust my heart so that I have the right response. Because it says, make allowances each for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you. So you must forgive others. Above all, clothe yourself with love, which binds us together in perfect harmony. And in the next, the next uh, sentence there is, and let or allow the peace that comes from Christ rule in your heart. That means let it have dominance, first place in your heart. Let it rule over the strife that you want to start operating in. Let it rule over the offense or the irritation or the unforgiveness or whatever it is that's there. Let peace rule. For as members of one body, you are called to peace. That's what you're called to. Always and always be thankful. Be grateful for them. You need to be grateful for one another rather than looking at the little things that might irritate you. Always put in perspective that you're doing things that irritate them. Right. right? It goes both ways. And so we are called to live in peace. And, and um, you know, we're under the blood of Jesus, right? That's what the Bible tells us. And there's a bloodline around us, and that bloodline protects right. us from the enemy. But when we get out of peace, we step out of the bloodline. That's right, no protection. And now the enemy has access into our home, into our relationships, into our heart, because we have given away our peace, because we've not responded in love. Every one of us deals with this every day in relationships, whether it's marriage with children, parents, friends, where you work, wherever it is. We are called to allow peace to rule and reign in our hearts. And when we do have to address an issue that matters, not the ones that don't matter, but the ones that really matter, then you can do it the right way. But it's learning how to operate in those little irritations the right way mm-hmm. that will give you the ability to deal with the bigger things. Amen? So we're to make allowances for one another's faults. Is that what it said? 
Okay, what does the word fault mean? Glad you asked. A defect or imperfection, a flaw, a failing. Uh, one says a fault in the brakes. Kathy and I were in Hawaii one time, and uh, we went with another couple, Dave and Cheryl Coops, and we went to get a car to go to visit the island of Ma uh, Maui. And anyway, to make a long story short, the car brakes went out. There was a fault in the brakes, okay? And we're up on a hill, so figure that one out. That's another whole story for another time, okay? But anyway, so it says make allowances for one another's faults. So apparently, if God is saying make allowance for one another's faults, then apparently, whether we want to admit it or not, we all got faults. Is there anybody here that doesn't have a fault? Please raise your hand. Is there anybody here that does have a fault? Please raise your hand. And what about the ones that didn't answer either one? Okay, you got more than one. Okay, they're, that's they're what it confused. is. Okay, so we're going to talk about for just a moment, you know, we can share about the Prince of Peace, which he just shared, and peace in God is, is not the absence of war, the absence of commotion, or the absence of strife, but true biblical peace is the presence of someone, come on, not the absence of something. Because no matter what's happening around us, we can still have peace in the midst if God is there, Right? So what I want to share, and, and, and this is just, I've never really taught this at WCF. I taught pieces of this here, and Kathy just alluded to the one about the, the caveman. Come on, how that, you go into a cave and you don't talk? Okay, and you're saying, like, what's wrong? Oh, nothing, everything's fine, okay? And, like, you got to figure it out. So we're going to just talk about this for a month. Is that okay? So does everybody, can everybody admit we all have faults? Okay, okay. So these are the points that will destroy relationships, whether it's in families, whether it's with your children, whether it's in a marriage, whether in a church, whether in the workplace, wherever that. These are the three major things. Number one is uh, nitpicking. Everybody say nitpicking. Isn't it amazing in the gospel of uh, Mark, in, in chapter 6, Jesus was healing all. The Bible said he had incredible, they brought him from all over, and said it was then, right at that time, the very next chapter they put in there, it said then... The Pharisees came and they found fault with him. Everything was going incredibly well and they found fault. Okay? And so destroyer number one is nitpicking. And it means to be excessively concerned with or critical of inconsequential details. In other words, some people just nag and they nitpick on things. And it's not really that important things. Come on. And they just make these little things. Kathy told me uh, many, many years ago, she actually bought me the book. She said, don't sweat the small stuff. That was the name of it. Okay? Because we used to, our daughter's in here, and, and, and she used to take a glass, you know, to get her water, and then she'd take another glass, and then she'd take another glass, and to the place that there's no more glasses. So you go to get a glass, you've got to buy a Dixie cup box of 100 to have something <laughs> that you can drink out of because all the glasses are in her room, you know? And so Kathy said, don't sweat the small stuff. I said, well, she takes a glass, bring it back, you know? So you want to go down there once a week and get all the glasses, all right? So anyway, it's, not, it's inconsequential is what that is. So nitpickers tend to comment on every single thing that a person does and expects an incredibly high standard on everything that they do, okay? The reality is that the standard only exists in their mind because it's so far up there that they have this illusion that everybody's going to fall into their thing. However, if you do not complete tasks, say things or act the same way nitpickers want you to, you will never hear the end of it, and somehow you're always wrong and you're always to blame, okay? Nitpickers make you feel as if they're watching your every move while they wait for the perfect moment to catch you doing something wrong so they can analyze you or they can put you down or make you feel bad. 
Not only is it tiresome for the person being picked at because they constantly have to defend themselves, which causes World War III to go into effect, okay? But it also is tiring for the nitpicker because they cannot focus. And in many cases, the nitpicker has the attitude of, well, I'll just do it myself. This attitude leads to stress in the relationship and pressure and demanding too much on one person to carry all the details. Well, let me just state this here in the simplified form because I'm a pretty simple guy. Simply said, nitpicking is a serious negative control issue that doesn't trust God, so it takes things into their own control. So it basically means you're a control freak and you need to control everything and every detail in every person's life. Let me just give you some advice. Life is too short for that, okay? And when you actually put your trust in God, you're taking it out of yourself. Number two destroyer is condescending. A condescending attitude from one partner to another makes the recipient feel as if they're not good enough or they can never measure up. They'll never be successful. They'll never do anything right in their sight. A relationship will not survive with an imbalance where there's no respect. If one partner feels as if they do not measure up to the expectations of the other partner, the relationship is doomed. In some cases one partner is smarter than the counterpart or vice versa however there is something that should be celebrated not used as war materials in other words there's things that I know Kathy can do much better than I can do like uh, let me just use this here home decorating I like orange walls and black ceilings that's my decorating it's true and Sharon Bettany's here and some others that had been there Sue Wilcox and others they know that that's what I wanted painted I went to Sears and that's how long ago this here was and I got this bright fluorescent orange paint and I said I want the whole house painted this here I loved it put the black ceilings in it well then I married Kathy and she came like what are you doing what are you thinking of so she's got a little better handle on that than I do okay so why am I saying that if you're in a position of feeling smarter than your partner be aware that oftentimes body language and tones are perceived by them so it's not necessarily having a disagreement or it's not necessarily not communicating but what is it that's coming forth in the tones in the attitude of what's being said a lot of times it's not what's being said that is the problem, but it's how it's being said with disdain and an attitude behind the words. Can anybody relate with what we're saying right now? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Come on, just a little. Or, or, or oftentimes, and they say uh, women have all these different looks. Well, I found men have the looks too. Okay? And what ticks off in a relationship that steals the peace is this whole area of tones and then the verbal animosity. As a matter of fact, Dr. Uh, S.I. McMillan, in his book from 1907, almost 50 years ago, none of these diseases, he said the verbal expression of animosity towards other, it calls for certain hormones from the pituitary gland, the adrenal gland, the thyroid gland, and other glands as an excess of which can cause disease in any part of the body. Okay, so it's the animosity, the verbal animosity that brings us here. And examples are ulcers, high blood pressures, hardening of the arteries, heart diseases, kidney diseases, diabetes, colitis, strokes, headaches, uh, arthritis, and many mental disturbances. One section of Macmillan's book is devoted to the concept of emotional wholeness, discussions on the role of faith in coping with stress and dealing with anger. Numerous psychological disorders and aberrant behaviors are identified as a result of the failure of Christians to exercise faith. 
Our faith is in God. The controlling issue, the controlling one in our lives is not us. The controlling one in our lives is to be Jesus. To make him Lord of your life means you give God the control of your life and you want to do what his word says because your word is going to lead you in the way of peace. The Bible says the work of righteousness, it shall be peace, quietness, and assurance. And if we're not operating in peace, we're not operating in quietness, we're not operating in confidence, not operating in assurance, then we're not operating in the peace that God has brought from the righteousness of he made us. Amen? Finally, the last thing is relationship destroyer three is shutting down. Kathy alluded to this. Speaking of open discussion, some people have a difficult time handling conflict in tough situations. In the tougher instances of life, they tend to shut down and disappear into their own world with sharing in the despair of their partner. Does your partner need to ask you constantly what is wrong or what are you thinking? If you are exuding this type of behavior, do your best not to change the subject when a topic becomes uncomfortable. Your partner needs to be let in as they are going to help you work through the issues as Kathy said this here just a moment ago the thing in in that area um, they have a book called men are from Mars and women are from Venus so that thinks that they're wired differently is that not right and truthfully in a lot of ways I am more wired like the Venetian and Kathy's more wired like the other guy okay from Mars all right and it's just true how it is how we operate in certain roles in different things out there and so she is what they call the cave woman. She'll go into the cave. She'll just shut down. She'll just quiet down. Doesn't want to talk. And I'm going like, like, we need to talk about this. Said, I'm not talking. Okay, well, how many know that's frustrating? Okay, because you want to bring it out, and then you can't bring it out, and then you're saying, like, what's wrong? And then you hear the answer, nothing. Okay, and you know something is, but they won't tell you what it is, but you got to figure it out. <laughs> Try to figure that all out and relent. These are the things, listen carefully, that brings where the rubber meets the road is why so many believers are not operating in peace right now. We need to value one another, and as Kathy just read, we need to make allowances for one another's fault. Not make excuses, but make allowances for one another's fault. And we need to listen, not demean one another, and make them feel devalued, but make them feel valued. That's what God makes us in Christ. He makes us feel valued. He makes us feel special. Why? Because you are special. You are valued. You are in Christ. You are an overcomer. You are more than a conqueror. You are the righteousness of God. You are holy. You are blameless. You are without fault. You are sanctified. And that's what God says about it and we need to line up our homes our marriages our conversations and our dealings with people so that they also feel bad that they also feel special that they also feel not disdained or disrespected but they feel respected and valued and because of that we're going to be able to get the gospel out like it needs to get out there amen go girl Jesus said this in John 16 31 to 33 he Jesus asked do you finally believe and it's all about trusting him but the time is coming, indeed it's here now, when you will be scattered and each one going his own way, leaving me alone. He's obviously talking to his disciples. Yet I am not alone because the Father is with me. I have told you all of this so that you may have peace in me. Here on earth you will have many trials and sorrows, but take heart or take into your heart, believe in your heart, because I have overcome the world." There is no true peace in this world, but his peace has overcome the world. He has overcome the world. You see, when Jesus died and rose again, the resurrection of Jesus Christ is the final answer to all of the problems in this world. There you go, girl. It is our hope. It is what he has said. It's basically the final message to the world, to your problems, to whatever is going on. See, everything that's going on in your life is temporary. 
The Bible says what the devil means for evil, God will turn around for good. You may be going through a storm. You may be in the depth of a trial. Maybe you may be even facing death. It doesn't matter whatever it is. There's resurrection on the other Come side. On, Go ahead. There's hope on the other side. Come on, girl. And so we've got to understand this. We have to have faith in him. If we have our faith in this world, then we're going to be messed up. And we're not going to have peace. You have to understand your righteousness. See, you have to have peace with yourself, you having peace with God, in order for you to have peace with others. Right. If you don't have peace in who you are, that you are the righteousness of God, that he has made you righteous, that you are his child, that he loves you, on, if you don't have that settled in your heart through what he did for you on the cross, then you can't give it to others. And what's going to happen is you're going to be triggered by lots of things that are going to trigger your fears, your insecurities, trigger things in you that, you know, are going to cause you to lose your peace. I mean, we all love our children. We love, you know, people in our lives. And, and sometimes we get into fear and we get into anxiety and stress, you know, maybe in your marriage or your job, you know, you may have insecurities with finances. There's all kinds of things we deal with. But you know what? Our trust is not in those things. Our trust is in him. And we can't control all the That's circumstances. Right. But we can control what goes on in our heart. We can control who we trust in and what we believe inside of us. And when we can trust in him, we will have our peace. Isaiah 32, 17 says, the work of righteousness will be peace. And the effect of righteousness, quietness and assurance forever. My people will dwell in peaceful habitation and secure dwellings and in quiet resting places. I claim that. You know, I claim that. And this verse in Isaiah, or in Hebrews 4, it says, so then there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For whoever has entered God's rest has also rested from his works as God did from his. And that's where we rest in the finished work of the cross because the cross says it is finished, it is done. And we need to rest in the finished work of the cross. We need to rest in what the cross has accomplished. Jesus said it is finished, meaning everything that needed to be done for you to have peace in your heart was done. Let us therefore strive to enter that rest so that no one may fall by the, no one may fall by the same sort of disobedience. For, see, it's disobedience to, stay, to get out of the rest of God. It's disobedience to lose your peace. For the word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and the intentions of the heart. So we need to rest in the finished work of the cross. We need to rest Come in the on, fact Kathy. that we're righteous, that we're forgiven, that we are loved, that we are redeemed, that we are adopted, that we are one with him, that we're a child of God, and that the work he started in us, he will finish. We need to rest in the fact that he's able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we can ask or think. We need That's to right. rest in what he says, Come not on, in what we see. That's good. When we can rest in his word, his word overrides what we see. Mm. Very good. We have to surrender to him all the things that would rob us of peace. That's good. And the enemy's always trying to rob our peace because he knows if he can get us in strife and division and fear, then he has access to us. But it comes with us being obedient to him. You know, I, I like to tell the story because we can get out of peace very easily. And the thing that usually gets out of peace, us out of peace the most is our pride. You know, have you ever created a mess? 
Have you ever said or done something that just created a big mess and you can't take it back? You're now you've got this big mess that you got to deal with. I mean, I've, I've done that over the years. I've created a few messes. And the only way to uncreate it or to bring peace into it is humility, especially if you started it. And, and you know, pride is something that we all deal with. And, you know, I, I, I was telling somebody this in the hallway. I said, you know, we, we, have the, we have the anointing to preach this, but we don't have the anointing to live it any more than you do. It's grace. We don't have any more anointing to live in peace than you have to live in peace. And so we have to do this just as much as you have to do this. So it's easy to preach. That's another thing to live, right? And we have to learn to live. And there's things that can come into our lives and, and that try to rob us of our peace. But the more you know the word of God and the more you understand what it is you need to do, then the less the enemy can get in. And so we have to do that. But it always comes through humility. And I remember the very first lesson I learned when I started pastoring happened when I got involved in some gossip. Anybody here ever get involved in gossip? What happened was a girl was coming to me the woman was coming to me and she was telling me all the stuff that this woman was saying about me. And that triggered my insecurity. So I started saying things about her. Not knowing that the woman that was telling me what she was saying was going back and telling her what I was saying. And so that was, um, you know, I found that out. So she, this woman's now very offended with me. And so I'm thinking I'm justified. You know, well, she said this about me, Right. But then the Holy Spirit got involved, and we need to get the Holy Spirit involved. The Holy Spirit got involved and said to me, you need to go to her and apologize for what you said about her. And in my mind, I thought, well, well what about what she said about me? See how we think? Mm -hmm. And then the Holy Spirit said, but you're the leader. It doesn't matter what's going on in her. I'm dealing with what's going on in you. And you need to go and apologize to her for what you said, regardless of whether she apologizes to you or not. You have to deal with your issues. So I went to her and I apologized for what I had said. I didn't even bring up what, that I said it in retaliation to what she had been saying about me. I didn't say anything, but I just said, you know what, I said these things. Forgive me, I was wrong. I shouldn't have said those things. And I was expecting her to say something similar. She didn't. And I walked away but I was at peace with God. It's the most important thing. God had dealt with me. I had to humble myself. Whether she did or not is her issue, not my issue. My issue is what's going on inside of my heart. And if I deal with what's going on in my heart, then I am at peace with God. I'm at peace with myself. And I'm under the blood. I don't want to get out there and let the enemy in my life. And none of us do. But so many times we allow it because our pride doesn't want to humble ourselves and make it right with our husband or our wife or our kids or whoever. And so these are things God is dealing with us. He, Jesus came and died on the cross to demonstrate to us humility, forgiveness, That's right. love. That's how he brought peace. He showed us the way to peace. And the way to peace is through the work of the cross. And there's always resurrection and life on the other side. But it involves dying to self. No other way. No other way. We've got to die to self in our marriages. We've got to die to self in all of our relationships. And when we do that, we will have peace. Mm -hmm. And peace is the best thing you can have. Living in peace is, is what God came for. That's what he, 
that's the gift he gave us, the way to peace. In this world, this world's a mess. It's a mess. It's crazy. This world's getting crazier and crazier all the time. But we can keep our peace. And we'll weather through the storms of life, whatever happens. You know, people on the other side of the world are dying for their faith. That's right. But they have peace with God. And that is more important to them than whether they go to jail or whether they're martyred or whether they lose their homes or whatever else happens. What matters to them is that they have peace with God. And that's what matters to God. In him, we have peace. Amen? Second uh, Kings speaks about Naaman the leopard. How many of you ever read the story of Naaman the leper? And the Bible said he was a Syrian general, and uh, he was a hothead. And when they told him to go, uh, the prophet said, go and, and wash in the Jordan. He got all ticked off and said, what's the matter with my uh, lakes in Syria? Why can't they come down here, the rivers in Syria? And why can't they do this? And why can't they do that? And he stormed out. And the servant girl came back to him and said, listen, you need to submit to it. If he says to go there, go ahead and do it. You're in bad shape. You need to get out. So he finally goes and he does it, submits to it. But then when the prophet, his last words to him was said, go now in peace. So apparently peace is what caused the ailment to come on his life. If you trace back a lot of the conflicts and a lot of the physical ailments, the mental oppression that people are suffering with today, it all has to do with these rich areas of animosity and unresolved conflict that they've dealt with uh, wrongly inside of their relationships there. I remember being in Red Deer about five years ago and I had a conference and I was speaking out there and one of the speakers that came in was the predecessor of um, Bob Jones, one of the prophets that had been around the body of Christ. It was very, very well known in the 70s and 80s and 90s and had spoken some strong prophetic words out there. And his words, his predecessor got up there and he shared the last words that Bob Jones had said. And he said this, reconcile with everyone you can before you pass on. This is the heart of the Father to all of us in the church today. Life in bitterness must go before we go. His last words, this is the last words. He said, the lining, but don't have the coat on, lining of the coat of hatred is lined with bitterness. Get it off you today. Survey your entire life. It's time to do it now. And then he said, what do I need to get right today? That was the last words, and then he passed on. And it was about reconciliation and getting it. It's amazing, and I don't have time to develop this, but you'll see three stories in the Scripture. Naaman was one, and you'll see the woman in Luke chapter 7, 46 to 50, as well as Luke chapter 8, 46 to 50, or 44 to 50, where it says both of them were told, go now in peace, okay? And literally, the Amplified brings it out, the proper tense of the word, go now, enter into peace. Somewhere they got out of peace, And God was saying, now you want to get your wholeness, you want to get your healing, you want to keep your prosperity and the blessing that I have for you, you're going to have to go enter into peace. And I can't tell you how many people I felt the power of God go into their bodies. I have felt it when we laid hands. The Bible said you lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. I have felt the tangible anointing of God flow into them. And they knew that they got it. But they went right back into the strife, went right back into the situations, and that thing came right back on them again. God doesn't want to, you know, you look at even the scriptures, I don't have time to develop because we're going to break bread together now as a family, so if the ushers can get anybody that didn't get the communion elements, get that, but it says, you know, it said binding the strong man, well, literally, and I'm not going to develop this today because of time's sake, 
But the strong man had said his goods were kept. He had his armor on and his goods were kept in peace. You and I are the literal strong man, the iskos. It's the same word translated in 1 John 2, 15 where it says, you are strong for the word of God abides in you. But when the stronger than him comes on him, that speaks in the context of division and of strife. When that stuff comes on, he takes all the goods that he had trusted in. And that's the peace, that's the joy, that's the love, that's the goodness of God. But I believe here at WCF, you're a church that's operating in a higher law, the love of God. You're a church that's operating in forgiveness. You're a church that's not holding on to your past or stuck in your past, but you're in your present now by faith in God. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. You're calling the things that be not as though they already are. And you're the winner and you got the upper hand and everybody agreed, said, let's all stand to our feet, okay? Listen to this last verse that I have for you. We started off with many happy days, long life. We started off on Dolly Gibb and the whole thing. Proverbs 21, 23 says, Watch your tongue and keep your mouth shut. And you'll stay out of trouble. Isn't that great wisdom? Watch, listen, the word watch means to be alert or on the lookout. Your tongue and keep your mouth shut. The word shut literally, and we stay at hotels all the time, it literally means to slide the bolt in, okay, and pull it down so nobody can open the door. Okay? Literally means a movable bar that when slid into a socket, it fastens, and you will stay out of trouble. The word trouble means to disturb the mental calm, the contentment of. It means to worry, to distress, to be agitated or annoyed. Father, help us at WCF to learn to shut up when you say to shut up and to speak up when you say to speak up. May truth be in our lips, no exaggeration or lies. Help us, Daddy, to be sensitive to your voice, obedient to act on what you say. And everybody agreed, said? Amen. Amen. So when you leave here today, say, bolt it down a little bit more. Amen. Search our hearts right now. Maybe there's a place where you've gotten out of peace. Maybe you've been in strife with your spouse or with your parents or your children or a friend. Mm -hmm. That's right. Doesn't matter who it is, where it is. Surrender it to God. Trust God in that situation. That's right. Own your part. That's right. Get back in peace. Powerful. Because you don't want access of the enemy in your life. Jesus died on the cross. Come on. He laid down his body so that we could be in peace. Peace with God, peace with one another, peace in our hearts. That you came to give peace on earth and goodwill towards men. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Have the most enjoyable afternoon of your life. And remember, war against what it is, not each other, but war against everything that hell's bringing your way. And as you resist the enemy, he will flee from your life. God bless you and have the best day ever. Thank you for coming to WCF. Look forward to seeing you next week.